0: Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Hello and welcome to On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. Hope you are well. It's good to see you, hear from you. Um, we start with the fallout from football etiquette and poor behaviour. What happens when a matchday official strikes back and there is the return of Mel Phillips to UK Shores and the old family, not back to the Barclays Women's Championship, but to the Barclays Women's WSL. Oh, and there's a small matter, a very small matter, when you fail to get selected for the national team. As a player, is it time to consider that the door has closed? Okay, so before we go into it, and because there is no Barclays Women's Championship football to talk about, and there's no Barclays Women's Super League women football to talk about, we're going to start in the Premier League. We're going to start in the men's game, and I have an official request. Don't touch the ref or any match day official this is an official request okay official request now let's be honest right it has been a long problem in the men's game the men's professional game in the non-league game in the amateur game where match day officials match officials have been abused they've been spat at they've been chased they've been punched they've been threatened that we now find ourselves here Right? and when i say here i'm talking about a player complaining about a, a, a match day official elbowing them elbowing them right and and this happened in one of the best games of the season so far between liverpool and arsenal one of the best games so far there's so much to play for great football great tension and some missed penalties but you know it's great um in this in this occasion one particular player there was a small coming together right what i would say uh, from what can be seen from the video footage and the stills that um, an arm and an elbow was used to fend off the attentions of one of the liverpool players who was a bit too close who was a bit too close and it looks like an elbow apparently i'll say that allegedly meets the football players face or chin and we now find ourselves or we're hearing that a matchday official has been suspended, possibly, or for better words, suspended, uh, and there's an investigation taking place, right? So this is where we are. We have the officials being suspended and we have a player complaining about being elbowed, right? With the PGMOL and the FA now all huddled around the campfire trying to piece together some semblance of a plan which looks well thought out, coherent so that players former players and anyone who is a pundit can all back their play in terms of what they're going to do next and the reason they're probably doing this its only been a few weeks a few weeks since everyone witnessed for those that watched the game with Fulham and Manchester United were a Fulham player harassed squared up to touched the matchday official in an aggressive and I say that in brackets which could be a judgment term, manner, this player now has an eight-match ban. And there was a lot of conversation about it. There was so much conversation about whether they should get four matches, five matches, six matches, ten matches, to send a message to the players, do not encroach on an official space, do not get up and get close to the official, do not go to the official unless you are the captain, possibly. I think those are the rules. But anyway... And there's so much talk about role models, you know, in football, role models. So with that, that happened a few weeks ago, and then the punishment that was, you know, laid out for everyone to see, for this player to get eight matches banned, and everyone kind of like nodded along and said, this is the right thing to do. Where does this leave any matchday official who who wouldn't want to defend themselves against that? Because the... The FA didn't do, they didn't act quick enough. The players don't really pay much attention to what the FA have to say anyway. Clubs get heated up, fans get heated up. Do do you honestly believe, or in fact, let's let's, let's phrase it this way Would you honestly blame any matchday official who felt that they were being harassed in a way which was unbecoming of a professional sportsman? That they didn't feel that they needed to fend someone off. No different than if you were someone was getting close to you, on the, on, you know, in the general public on the on, on the bus, on the train, outside, you know, waiting for a bus you know, waiting for a bus going home. Someone got too close and they were in your face, they're in your space, and you use your hand to say, "Oh, back up, go away." So many times in games, so many times. Let's face it, week after week, we see the same images. Doesn't matter what the game is, different teams probably the same players, probably different games, but the same players, moaning, chasing, touching, match their officials when things don't go their way, if they don't get a free kick, if they don't get a penalty. I mean, even if they've rolled around four or five times, they're going to get up and they're going to do those things. They're going to get in the official's face. And sometimes some teams do it systematically, that when they give away a free kick, that three, four, five players run around, block the referee from giving that card, see you know, players putting a hand on the referee as they're trying to get the, the card out of their pocket, saying, don't do that because they feel entitled, they're enraged, you know, that, that they can go beyond the, the rules of the game and they feel that they can touch a match day official. And so much of this happens with men, in the men's game. i have we'll started with the men's game. And everyone talks about role models. Remember, it's role models. That these players just do it and they gather around officials to complain in a kind of a spitty kind of way. Because, you know, you're angry there's a spit coming out of your mouth. You do it too close, you know. That you see this week after week, and I'm not surprised. Can we really be surprised that an official fends off a player because they're too close? Can we? After a football player who who basically gets really angry and and let's say loses his rag, gets in your face. Anywhere else in the in in the, in, in the world, in the main street that would, that would start a fight can't do that you can't get close to people like that you can't put your hands on people like that and, and this is the question there'll be a lot of people out there saying oh i didn't mean to do anything if that was a female match day official would it be okay would it be okay i don't talk about role models and i come back to the role model i'm going to come back to it I talk about role models and before anyone says anything before they start going oh it starts with the parents Place that statement in the bottom drawer of your kitchen cabinet and take a seat and I'll come back to that in a moment. Don't start with appearance. Don't. In general terms, right? Football. We can talk about the beautiful game. Gentlemanly conduct, All those things. Players should not be permitted to touch match day officials in any capacity. Full stop. In a friendly capacity or not. Just don't. They are there to officiate the game. They're not your friends. They are—they are perfect. They're there to do a job, and they may have a laugh in the job, but don't touch them. Don't touch them because you don't want to be touched. So they don't want—they don't want you to touch them. They're not going to go up and hug you when you score a goal, and jump in the crowd with you when you do. It. They don't do that. They're not your friends. They're not the friends of the players. They're not the friends of the teams. There's that so what should happen when a player or players surround the referee or linesman right in terms of a solution you may well ask what could happen what should happen because there'll be a lot of conversation about whether the referee or the assistant referee shouldn't have done it and whether it looked like an elbow whether it looked like a palmed off you know the fact that the player was too close was the issue that's the reality it was too close and we've seen players get too close to officials whether they're male officials or female officials yeah Think about it—not just the men's game, every game. And considering, let's be honest, VAR had a shit weekend in terms of getting things right. They have. So the one, the one way that VAR and VAR officials could help—they could be the solution. And so much is made of VAR getting things wrong, you know, especially handballs at this moment. Please say a prayer. A small prayer, VAR and the officials but they could be the the answer. If you can see that a referee is slightly intimidated because there are players around them, there are two men and they can't see who's doing what and someone's shouting in his ear and he's trying to keep an eye on the the player that's kicked another player or, or, or has tackled someone and they're trying to get away from the scene and walk away and their friends are doing the distraction, let VAR step in. Let VAR step in. VAR can see what's going on. It doesn't have to be the... The fourth official on the touchline, because he's getting dogs' abuses. Well, he's getting not even dogs' abuse; he's just getting abuse. The VAR team, the officials that are in the bus somewhere in a room, why don't they take the pressure away from the the pitch side and the on field officials and instruct? and and the, and the FA can do this, and they can have a conversation with the PGMOL about those officials in VAR giving out yellow cards, giving out red cards. In the moment when they see players surrounding the ref, there can be a clear instruction to every team, right across every league, don't approach the ref. If you do, you will get a yellow card. You may not get it from the the, the official on the pitch, but if there's VAR involved and the VAR team see that you are surrounding the ref in a way which is deemed to be inappropriate and breaking the rules, they can issue a yellow card. They can issue a red card. It's very simple. It takes pressure away from the the referee on the pitch. Players now know it's not just one person that's responsible for the match day um, rules and regulations. There is a team of officials, because as much as we say that the referee is in charge of the game, let's be honest, there's a team around the ref. And it may help players to realise that their team needs to act in accordance with the rules, believe it or not, you know. And F, and let's go back to VAR, and F, VAR, issue a yellow card. They can, you know, when they're doing the offside, the old dodgy line where they're rocking it backwards and forwards for about 30 seconds, they can display the name and the face of the player on the big screen for the fans in the ground so they don't know what's going on, and the colour of the card. Very simple. Very simple. You know, those of our officials could be trained to be far more useful than, you know, drawing a line from point A to B and looking at it for about 30 seconds or 45 seconds repeatedly in small rocking motion. You know, I say it again. That is a way forward. And some people may say, you can't do that. It'll spoil the game. The game is spoiled already. The game is spoiled already. The game is being spoiled. And people, want to say they oh, will spoil the game, they only talk about the professional game. The game is spoiled at every level because as stated right at the beginning, week in, week out, there is an official who's probably been punched, chased, spat at, kicked, harassed just for, for, for refereeing the game. And a lot of people say the referee shit, but no one wants to be a ref. It takes a certain character to go and be a referee. And all those people that say they love football, if you ask them to be a referee, they wouldn't want to be a referee because they know the ugly side of themselves that turns on the referee. So the last thing they wanna do is put themselves in that position because they know what it's like. That's the reality. You know, when people are being honest, deep down in themselves and think, oh, I would never do that. But, you know, when it's my team. So for referees, they need protection. The FA, who have spent far more time walking around with their hands, going, ooh, we're doing our best. A failed to protect their team. They failed to protect their their, their colleagues. They failed to protect them. Simple as that. Um, and this small thing right, in terms of the VAR team taking over, the VAR team handing out yellow cards. And this is not to say that the referee on the pitch can't hand out yellow cards. They can. They can. But in moments like this, when players surround the ref, that's when the VAR can step in. When the player has been touched, unnecessarily, that's when VAR can step in. That is when they can step in and say, no, you've crossed the line. You're getting a yellow card. You're getting a red card. And every single team in the league will go, whoa, it's not just one person. We We can't confuse this guy because he's got four or five other people watching on the camera somewhere and they're going to dish out yellow cards. It can work. It will curb players from hassling the ref and you will see how quickly players stop when they realize that it's not just the match day official that they have to contend with That it's a team of individuals that are officiating the game not one person not two people not three people not the fourth official but a team of them which could be 10. it could be 10. they actually say that's wrong we're issuing a yellow card on behalf of our colleagues you do it again and you're gone simple as that so if you get three people circling the referee all three could get a yellow card. Up on the screen, boom. No more dissent. Everyone takes down a notch and focuses on their game. That simple. Players need to know their limits. And this is the thing when people talk about role models. Everyone keeps talking about role models and the FA can go you know, about their business, holding their head up high and say, oh gosh, um, we can claim the moral high ground because we're protecting our officials. Haven't done a great job so far. This is one way. This is one way, using the VAR team to give them the powers to actually change what's happening because if they're getting things wrong in terms of handball, they're getting things wrong in terms of offside, at the very least, they can get right. At the very least, is protecting their own colleagues. <laughs> just, if you can't back your friends up, then I have no idea what you're doing in any, in any, any aspect of life. Can't back your friends up. can't back your friends up. Who knows? Now, I mentioned before about, you know, it's down to the parents, and I told you to put it in the bottom drawer of your kitchen cabinet. It's not about getting young people to change the way football is run and the way that football players approach the referee. It's not about young people. It's not about parents, just about parents being told, oh, don't abuse the referee. It's not just about, it's about everyone. It's so good. Everyone's so good at saying, oh, it's them over there. If we start with them over there, then we'll we'll get it sorted. It's them. Very good looking over there instead of saying, "I," Because you've got professional pundits who are friends with players. They don't don't call out their friends. They don't call out anyone. They're so like, oh, that's, you know, maybe the heated moment. No, it's wrong. Call it out. Call it out. It's no good saying that It's, it's down to parents. And, and and even if you did say oh it starts with the parents, make it clear to parents. If you abuse the referee, that may damage your child's development or opportunity to be a professional player. And there may be play but there may be parents that actually go, Oh, I better watch what I say. I don't want it to impact on my son or my daughter's chances to make to get a contract. To be a professional, I better watch what I say, I better go along and I'll have conversations with my child at home or in the car on the way home. You know, we'll have a little chat, have a cup of tea and a cake. Last thing I want to do is go there and abuse the referee. But, and this is what happens, and this is part of the football problem when you've got parents that are abusing referees at games, parents. They believe that they're entitled to do that because they've been told that their child's going to be a professional footballer. So they will do anything in their power to roll over, move out of the way, abuse dislodge anything that seemed to be de- hindering their child's development facts Th- that's it so in reality it's not down to tain it's the parents if the fa who are meant to be the governing body for all things football it comes down to them if a parent abuses a reference academy game yeah they need to realize that they're going to get banned from going to games and it's going to damage their child's long-term prospects simple you know and if as a parent you realize it's going to damage your child's prospects then there might be enough to encourage a sense of dignity for parents whilst they're watching youth football but there is also the chance that this may fall on deaf ears and i'm aware in my own world of adults who really just don't give a shit about anything, so much so they would even ad- admit they wouldn't even admit actually or acknowledge that they did something wrong. And they like football, and they don't care. So there are people like that. So you have to act. You have to be strong. The FA stand to the FA. Simple as that. It's not just standard, but it's not about going over there. It's not about them. It's about if this is the game is governed by the, the football. Authorities. If the FA, if they're meant to govern it, then govern it. If they're meant to set out the rules, then set out the rules and follow them and make sure everyone else follows them. And then you won't have players circling the referee thinking they can get away with it because that's what's happened. And this whole kind of like role model and good behaviour, let's call it what it is, is bullshit. They've not done their job. They've seen it week in week. Any recording of a game this season, you can go and watch any team, any of the top teams you'll see one particular team, doesn't matter, as soon as they get a free kick, round the referee. Standard. Like, just like that. All the time. All the time. And, you know, in relation to the assistant ref, you know what? Maybe if more referees were built like bodybuilders, yeah, and elbowed people for getting too close, then maybe if the FA don't do it, maybe the players will get the message. Don't mess with this guy. He's mental. Let's play the game. He's not. Don't don't go. Don't get too close to him. Just get on with the game. Simple. Very simple. And that could be the answer. But anyway, um, we're going to move away from men's football and elbows, arms and elbows. Was that last week? Think it was this week. And we're going to go and talk a little bit about someone who's returned to the UK shores. God blimey! Who would have guessed it? Go big! Go big! I can say go big. Mel Phillips to Brighton. Didn't see it coming at all. Mel Phillips. Back. Back. Can you believe it? We're not talking about the Barclays Women Championship. But we are in a way. Way back towards the end of January 2023. Mel Phillips left London City Lionesses. Everyone's like, oh my gosh. How so soon they were so close, they were doing well, they were at the top of the league, they were challenging, they still are. Um, and Mel Phillips left for Angel City FC, massive coup went there to be their first assistant coach. You know, it was a shock. I thought, you know, I've seen Mel and the team play um, good football, tactically aware, but you know, things change. That was in, in, in January, January 2023, we're right now in April 2023. And Mel is now head coach of Brighton and Hove Albion women. I mean, whoa. What a, what a couple of months. Who knew? I definitely didn't know. And at the time I stated, when Mel left, at the time I stated that the WSL, sorry, Barclays Women's Super League, uh, would miss out on her tactical awareness and approach to the game, you know? But not now. You know, I, I, honestly, I'm very pleased. I'm so pleased for Mel. I'm so pleased for Mel and for Brighton. You know, Brighton, actually, when I think about this move, when I think about Mel at Brighton, Brighton could have made this move months ago. I'm <laughs> like, what the hell? Brighton could have made this move months ago, right? And things could have been different. Could have been different for them. You know, they could, you know, have been in some kind of Twilight Zone kind of thingy way where things were great and, you know, we moved up. But things would have been much better. But it, I don't know. Brighton in a very difficult situation. They're not at the top, obviously. But, you know, but Mel's gone there. And I know that Mel will go there and she will sort players out. She will, not necessarily in the shouty way. We've done the shouty thing in the men's game. But there'll be a lot of empathy, there'll be encouragement, there'll be consideration, there will be tactical awareness and, 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 uh, and a demand from the players to actually be focused on their own professional development in terms of what they need to do. And th- that will be there for them. So in terms of Brian, this is a fantastic move. you know. And things could have been much better for them, I think, if they had actually made this move for Mel sooner. You know, really do believe they it could have been for them sooner, um, but we'll see what happens. You know, there are only a few games left for the seat of the season. It will be interesting to see w- how they fare. Uh, if there is an immediate impact in with regards to Mel's arrival, what she'll do with the team formation, style of play, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Interesting stuff. Um, and I do hope that Mel and Brighton get to spend much more time together. Uh, in the barclays women's super league you know and i must remember that title barclays women's super league Let's say that myself. Uh, so yeah um congrats to mel congrats to you mel congrats to brighton and i'm now planning my trip to watch brighton play at home who do i need to speak to to <laughs> who do i who do i need to speak to to sort it out Ah yeah 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 um in relation to i I've got to mention something about the City Lionesses. Right? I have to because it's it's important, not important, but I feel I need to. Um, I mean, London City Lionesses still have things to play for, right, in the Barclays Women's Championship. But I do wonder how they, and I mean by they, I mean the players that are there, the backroom staff that are there, and the management, the overall management, the the, the general manager, the the chairwoman, etc how they're feeling about the news that Mel is now at Brighton in the WSL. And I'm I'm sure deep down they're really pleased for her. Yeah? I'm sure deep down they're really pleased for her. But I also think or believe that deep down on a similar level that they, and I mean they as the players, the backroom staff and the management, that they were there with her as as well. They were there with her now in, in as a team, as a collective, as a as a body. Um, both have their own separate journeys now, but I, I'm gonna say they probably wish they are, and they still have it within their own hands to get to the Barclays Women's Super League and and what and you know what happens for the rest of the season will be very, very interesting. Um, but yeah. Congrats to Mel, congrats to Brighton, and um, yeah, thoughts for London City Lionesses. <laughs> anyway, look, away from the Women's Championship for a moment, and there's this thing. I haven't really watched any of the international football, uh, women's football. I, I tend not to. Um, but there was a tweet that was going around and kind of looked, Twitter chatter about selection, non-selection. And the question I've got for you, and this is a question, this is a thought, you know, what happens when a ship has sailed and you've missed the boat? generally in life, you think, oh, well, right? Um, A1 Miss S. Houghton um, has recently verbalized her thoughts on not being selected for recent Lioness games, right, and hopes for the World Cup, etc. And for me, words that spring to mind are a sense of belonging, not being included, misunderstood, sentiment, loyalty, and a new direction with players who have won and yeah this is where this is where things are for me right now in terms of what's been said I mean step out and really has kind of put it on the line um there's a Twitter video of her I think she's on the, one of the radio channels and she's interviewed about the hope and what she wants to know and you know hope that she's including she's she can't change anyone's mind and um, the reality is, in 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 terms of of the, the the successes that the Lionesses have achieved under the new manager, is that when it came time to to team selection for the tournament, she wasn't she wasn't fit, she wasn't fit enough. Spent the bulk of the, the the season injured, and and this manager is not working on sentiment, not from previous. But I mean, there were probably a couple of players who were in that Lionesses squad. That shouldn't have been, were there on sentiment. And I'm gonna say boldly for, for the ones that were there on sentiment, they it didn't take them long to retire once the tournament was over. Um and I, I think with the, the body of players that that were um, put together for that for that tournament. They probably would have won regardless of the players. I mean, it's just the mentality that the, the manager has is, is, is brought into the squad is clear to see, even though I don't watch all the time, I'm really not watching them, but I'm just gonna say that. And I think if you were a player and you had been previously picked because you were the captain of England and you were the captain uh, of your club and you've been injured for a long, long time, and you get to a point and there's a change of manager, the manager is coming in fresh. They've got no sense of sentiment, they have no sense of loyalty, and they don't really understand the point of view that a player may have in terms of why they are not being picked, and they're they're raising a concern as to why haven't I been picked. They don't have that. So from the player's point of view, they're misunderstood, and from the manager's point of view, they just don't understand. Okay? They don't understand. Now, the sentiment bit will come into play with a manager who's now – who has now won something with players that they have picked themselves. That's sentiment. Because if a player is not playing and they know that this player has done a job for them in a tournament where they have won trophies, where they've played in big big games in front of big crowds and they've delivered, they will get picked on sentiment. And with that, there's a sense of loyalty. But from the player who's not picked, they believe, or you might think that they believe, that they should be picked based on sentiment and loyalty. So it's really, really difficult situation for the player. Um, and that's where things are right now. And I look at it and I think to, to, to say something so openly will make it very difficult for the manager to, if if the Lioness's manager is anything, as, as most managers are, to change their way because someone has said something publicly in an interview. Very difficult. And um, once you have your established body of players this close to a, a major tournament, it will be almost impossible unless someone gets injured, that they change their mind as, in terms of the, the players that they've been looking at for the bulk of the season. So that's it. And and hoping to see something different. And this is the reality when you're hoping to see something different from a, from a player's point of view in terms of being selected for the international team. Um, may make the pain linger longer than it needs to if you're waiting to hear Uh, the reality are the sands of time they move quickly and you know those who were previously picked on merit or on sentiment by previous managers may not have that to rely on anymore simple and some people might say oh you shouldn't say that no you know i'm just analyzing what's been said and and what could be Um, and as i started this little segment in relation to international players or international football and players who have previously been selected but are not selected um you can't change the direction of a ship from the shore when it's gone it may just be that it's gone that's it um In terms of what's happening, this is it. This was me. I'm Roddy Cyrus. This was on and off the pitch. There was no Barclays Women's Championship football or Barclays Women's Super League football to talk about, but we did cram it a lot in. Um, Let me know what you're thinking. Get back to me. Uh, uh, Even like it. Why not like it? Uh, That's it for now. Until next time, laters.